Welcome to the Lifestyle First podcast, discussing lifestyle medicine and making self-care as easy as one, two, three. One question, two research reviews, and three actionable health tips, all centered around the Lifestyle First method, your blueprint for the 10 key roots of optimal health and happiness. And now your host, lifestyle medicine physician and coach, Dr. Alka Patel. Hello and welcome back to the Lifestyle First podcast. Can you believe that we are on season seven? I am so excited for this season to unroll because I have for you the most incredulous lineup of what I would call thought leaders and TEDx speakers and authors and other very deeply inspiring guests. So today, let's get on to today. Today is actually our seventh conversation in this podcast on the topic of life's purpose, a topic I love to talk about. Now, seven is a lucky number for many, and I am so lucky to be able to introduce you to today's guest, who is Christina Mand-Lakiani. And I am beaming as I say her name. Christina is co-founder of Mind Valley, that incredible learning platform where the experience of learning is nothing more than a lifelong adventure. And Christina, she is an advocate of happiness from within. And she believes that happiness can be obtained by following rules. So one question that we're discussing today is, what is the connection between purpose and happiness? Welcome, Christina. It is delighting to be here with you today. Hello. Hello, and thank you for having me. It's um... My pleasure and a great topic, great choice of topic. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Let's see where this takes us. So look, let me start with a question. This Mm -hmm. is a question that Aristotle proposed to us so many years ago. And what Aristotle said was that the purpose of life is to be happy. Do Mm. you you agree? Uh, It's interesting. Um, yeah, it's an interesting question. I think uh, I think uh, human humanity. I, f- I first want to comment on the fact that you're quoting someone from hundreds of years ago. Uh, you can say thousands of years ago, because uh, it's interesting how humanity has been through almost all the truths and uh, and. Um, ideas and uh, and a lot of things that we're talking about right now at some point somebody would have talked about that before so usually when i refer to the great thinkers of the past i uh, do two things i first like to see the the deeper wisdom in what they're saying but i also like to remember that they were speaking in their own context so i wouldn't dare to comment on aristotle saying that uh, the purpose of life is to be happy because i do not know the circumstances in which most majority of people lived at that that time uh, and and history is not very uh, very straightforward or linear it has uh, has had its ups and downs so certain uh, ancient periods might be more advanced than certain recent periods uh, so in that sense um it is it, it it is the the wisdom from from the deep past uh, that's coming to us. Uh, when I uh, talk about happiness, I generally talk about very mundane everyday life uh, approach of a contemporary modern human being with our modern um, 
specifics of life because we we do live in a different uh, in a different time and completely different circumstances and uh one thing i know i do not know if the purpose of life is to be happy per se but one thing i know for a fact is that almost every single person uh, is united by this desire and we don't always admit it regarding ourselves but if you if you ask yourself what do you want for the most loved people in your life for your children for your parents for your uh love partners you usually well love partners is a slightly trickier thing but <laughs> most people that you love unconditionally you usually want them to be happy and this is this one thing that this one desire that unites all the people in the world we want happiness it is actually deep uh, behind every single goal that we that we set so whether life's purpose is happiness or not uh, i guess it, it depends on each person to choose what their life purpose is but one thing for uh, is certain that every single human being whatever their purpose is whatever their, their goals are somewhere underneath all of that is the desire just to be happy yeah i completely uh, echo what you say in the sense that it seems like such a fundamental desire need want uh wherever that sort of fits that what about defining happiness then because it might mean something different to me and to you and to the rest of the world and yet if you're saying we're united by this emotion of happiness that ties us and gives us that interconnectedness surely we all need to express happiness in the same way then you know now you ask the question to which i could uh, give you keep giving you answers for a really long time so um in in con in the context of what you just said i would say that happiness is a unicorn it's a magical creature that everybody knows what it is and can draw it but nobody has seen it in real life <laughs> but that's a slightly joking answer of course uh i believe that um that uh happiness is uh is a uniquely personal uh, phenomenon uh, whereas success or um well purpose is a slightly different thing and and being everyday life philosopher i actually do care about little accents in different words so uh success uh, is something that we uh, very often equate to uh, a path to happiness be you know do the right thing uh, and you'll be happy or um go the right way and you'll be happy so success is a universal thing well for each society uh so in each society we have a certain universal um definition of what success means in whatever area of life you take uh usually of course we look at success more from the point of view of uh, financial uh success but whatever area you take whether it's health or relationships or um i don't know maybe even spirituality we have as every society has a certain definition of success and we kind of stick to that and it's a universal thing and if you ask um, 100 people who are members of the same society to define success in a certain area there will be very close definitions whereas when it comes to happiness i believe this is a very uh, uniquely personal phenomenon we all have our own definition of happiness and i've researched happiness for many years now not uh, as a researcher as and i'm not uh, making my own Uh, studies uh, but i research other people who research happiness i research speeches books uh, everything what is out there on happiness uh, and i can tell you that as a society we do not actually have a common definition for happiness we that's why i'm saying it's like a unicorn we kind of all, all know what it is but <laughs> actually nobody does 
so it is funny because there are hundreds of actual scientific research on happiness. Uh, yet, as a society, we can't agree on the simplest things about happiness. And if you listen to the uh, contemporary discourse on that, you will hear a lot of very interesting and sometimes contradictory things. And when we come back to purpose, of course, meaning is slightly different than purpose, but one of the latest ideas, which is very popular, is that happiness is irrelevant. You know, you have to have meaning or purpose in life, and then happiness, happiness kind of happens <laughs> as a consequence of that. I have my reservations about that definition, definitely. But uh, maybe the most striking thing is that we as a society can't even agree on whether happiness is an emotion or is it a certain kind of state or is it some kind of uh, life view or attitude. There is no common definition of what happiness is, which is why I believe that the best thing anyone can do for themselves is to actually try to define what does it mean to be happy for you specifically. And I completely understand that. Um, I guess the slight difficulty with having this sort of personal definition is from a research angle way, which you already sort of touched on, is that where research is concerned, and we love research, don't we? Because it gives us the numbers to crunch in a real sense of, you know, a bigger population um, effect. But where research is concerned, we need definition because we've got to know what we're measuring against, of course. And a really simple measurement is simply to ask you, hey, Christina, are you happy? And it's yes. subject, very, very subjective response. You're going to be, give me yes, no, or eight out of 10, 10 out of 10, four out of 10. Um, and I guess that goes away to being able to give it some sense of definition. But we don't really have that depth, do we, yet, of thinking mm. about happiness collectively as we talk about, don't we, hedonic happiness and being in that moment with your senses. And in this very moment, I'm certainly happy talking to you. But <laughs> in the longer term, is this that deeper fulfillment, that meaning, that purpose that gives you that more deeper joy and that deeper mm. happiness, that eudaimonic happiness. And certainly lots of uh, researchers have talked about hedonic and eudaimonic happiness, haven't they? Um, and it's trying to connect it to purpose because again, do you think it's a two-way street? Having a sense of purpose in your life can create that happiness that we all crave for and having happiness helps you to seek out that purpose and fulfill that purpose. Do you think it's a two-way street? Well, um, you know, first of all, I, I don't see there, that there is any problem with us being very subjective about happiness. There are, I guess, a lot of phenomena where we have to, uh, we have to subjectively just say, and, and you're right, the scale of happiness from, let's say, if we take it from zero to 10 is very different. And uh, a lot of people have noticed, psychologists mostly, most notably, of course, that uh, my definition of uh, I'm happy at four and your definition of you're happy at two might be the same or our fours might be very different. It's, it is a subjective thing, uh, which is why, you see, if you approach it from uh, it is yours to create uh, on your rules, based on your definition, then there is nothing wrong with subjective because you, it's, it's, it's your game anyway. But when it comes to meaning and happiness or purpose and happiness, uh, it is incredibly tempting, especially nowadays, that everybody tells you that don't search happiness. And there's a lot of rhetoric about that, that, uh, you know, pursuit of happiness is, um, <clears throat> is going to, uh, you, you will not find happiness if you go for it. It will somehow happen. And uh, a lot of people, th there is this famous TED talk, actually. I, uh, I don't know how famous for me, just famous because it's on happiness. <laughs> 
uh, where the lady says that um, that uh, happiness is relevant, meaning is important, and meaning will give you the sense of satisfaction. Well, I believe that this whole contradiction happens because we haven't defined what happiness is. So uh, when I talk about happiness, I want to say one thing up, up front. I do not define happiness as an emotion. Because if you define happiness as an emotion, it is by nature transient because emotions do not stick. The moment you think of emotion, the moment you start giving it a name, and uh, better yet, when you start expressing it, let's say you're trying to describe how you feel, it starts changing. That's the nature of emotion. It's changing. So if you define happiness as an emotion, whether it's joy, ecstatic, peaceful, whatever emotion it is, by its nature, it's not going to stick. So if you want lasting happiness, obviously we have to go beyond emotion and look at a certain state, state of mind or uh, state of uh, how you perceive the world, how you interact with the world. So for me, it is a very important thing. If you define happiness as a state, you have much better chances at, at uh, attaining it. Second thing, being in personal growth uh, for 17 I think 18 years by now. God, I've lost count. Uh, I know that almost everything you take in personal growth, you understand that you have to work on it. It doesn't just happen. If you want health, you have to work on your health. If you want love, you have to work on your relationships. If you want um, spiritual awakening, you have to work on understanding yourself, on your connection with God or whatever you believe in. Somehow, with all of that, we understand that we have to work on things to have them. Somehow, in our contemporary society, happiness is this one area where we believe that if you work on it, you're not going to get it, and that it somehow happens, do the right things, and it's just going to happen. But it, things don't happen like that in life. Nothing happens like that in life. Why, would, why should happiness? So, as I said, I have a, I have a big... A uh, problem with uh, with people saying that you know uh, focus on the right things you know do uh, achieve success. The most the biggest myth is that success is going to bring you happiness, uh, or have meaning and happiness will happen, or help others and happiness will happen. Well, the thing is that the act of helping or being altruistic does create certain chemicals in your body which make you feel good. The same way as exercise makes you feel good. Obviously, there is a very huge temptation to do things which make you feel good. If you have a great purpose in life and you, and that purpose helps you create the state of flow, you will feel happy in the state of flow. But what I'm trying to say is that happiness should not be secondary. We should not look at it as a side effect of doing the right thing. Uh, and uh, as you mentioned, I like research mostly because it gives me a little bit more substance than my own conjectures about this life. But there is... Um, there was just recently, actually, I think it was in May this year, uh, a whole bunch of uh, research was studied in this one study, which, which tried to combine 200, 200 papers on a correlation between happiness and success. And what they discovered was that, um, you know, success doesn't give you happiness, obviously. Your level of success is not a, any kind of predictor of your level of happiness, but you're much more likely to achieve success if you are in the state of happiness. So there is correlation, but it is going in the wrong direction. It is not going and do the right thing and you'll be happy. If you can create happiness, 
you're much more likely to succeed in doing the right thing. You're much more likely to be interested in helping others, to be um, motivated enough to have a purpose in life. We've gone from happiness, the emotion, to happiness, the state, to really what I like to call happiness, the skill. I Like you, I believe happiness is a skill. It's something that actually we can learn to be better and better and better at. And by being better at being happy, everything else can start to fall in place. This success, the goals, the achievements, all those things that are the desires that we have in our lives. So maybe that's where I'd like the conversation to flow a little bit is what are the skills of happiness? Because through happiness, of course, yes, you can find purpose and meaning. So how do you skill up on happiness? What are those key things that we can do? Because we all do have a genetic set point of being happy. You know, you'll be in a crowd of people and for some reason, she seems to always be happy and someone else always isn't. And there's something genetic. We know that about 40 to 50% of our level of background happiness is genetically predetermined. Mm. But that also means that 40 to 50% is at our disposal to modify and manipulate and it's malleable so what do you think those key things are that we can do to elevate that level of happiness to elevate our sense of purpose yeah what you're talking about is this uh, idea of, uh, of a set point of happiness and that we all have a certain set point of happiness and no matter what happens in our life when we're thrown off this that point we're going to come back to it and that's uh, that that is actually the tendency so when big things happen to us whether they are tragic or incredibly happy for that moment our emotion changes but since emotions are trend, transient we are going to uh, fall back or fall up, back up or, or climb back up to to our set point of happiness and um uh I think it is important to, two things are important. First of all, if we are talking about set point, then obviously it's not an emotion. It's like this, um, it's like this, um, well, that point, obviously, to which you are rushing back, which means it's a more stable thing. And it takes me back to this idea of happiness being a certain resourceful state. A certain resourceful state which you can uh, create, which you can train, and it, to which you can come back no matter what happens in your life. And this is more of your default state. But here I want to warn uh, those who are going to listen to us against equating that state to uh, joyfulness. I am a giggly person and I like to make jokes, especially inappropriate jokes. Uh, so it might be a little bit... Um, confusing and I might seem like I'm a happy person but I don't think that my set point is that massively high actually compared to the average human being uh, whereas my son for example he has a very different disposition he is more of the thinking type and a little serious sometimes but um, you see his his seriousness doesn't mean that his set point is low because it's not about how much you laugh and giggle and how much you are the life of the party. It's about how at peace you are with what happens to your life, how easy it is for you to get through those ups and downs. Uh, you know, how, how resourceful you are at your peaceful, at your default state. So uh, if, if you look at happiness, not as a joyful, ecstatic emotion, but more as a resourceful state where you are at peace, you're happy, uh, happy, you're at peace, you are content, 
content. You are where you are supposed to be. You don't want to be someone else. Then it becomes clear that um, that happiness is not about uh, jokes and laughing and having fun. Uh, so th- I, I went a little bit off into the, this, this definition of, of the state, but the important thing is that before you start working on your skill of happiness, you really have to understand what it means for you. And every single person, as I, I, I believe that every single person has their own little, uh, little uh, different brand of happiness. There may be certain, uh, so, certain commonalities, some suggestions that I can give us. First, state versus emotion. Second, happiness is not perfection. There is this, uh, and uh, this is actually not me, it's another teacher from Mind Valley, Sri Kumar Rao. Uh, he says this beautiful thing. He says, you know, you're not happy because everything is perfect. Everything is perfect because you're happy. So if you disconnect perfection from happiness and you understand that what you're pursuing is happiness, not perfection. And once in the, you are in that resourceful state, somehow things become perfect and fall into place. It's going to make your task of training happiness easier. Um, and I guess, uh, well, uh, another important uh, thing is, of course, to prioritize it and not to think that it's a side effect, that it's a prize at the end of the race, because it's not a prize at the end of the race. There are so many super successful people only to discover when they are on top of the Mount Olympus that they are left alone with all their demons and with no motivation to keep going forward because they've reached the success. So uh, if we understand that happiness is not the prize at the end of the race, but it is a skill, as you say, a skill which you need to, tra- which, which you should learn to train, then you have better chances and at, at getting it in this life, <laughs> in this lifetime. But for skills, you know, uh, you see, if, if happiness is um, is a state and not an emotion, then obviously you need uh, long-term strategies. You need to learn things which help you to uh, to thrive in the long term. So I have my happiness uh, little indulgences, like uh, I like to drink my tea uh, sometimes endlessly, and my chocolate, and I like a glass of wine, and I like to go out partying, and I like to hang out with my friends, and actually meditation can become this, you know, this addiction this drug. Um, the, the interesting thing is that uh, there is a theory of hedonistic adaptation. Whatever makes you feel good momentarily, actually you get, well, you adapt to it. So it stops having such a strong effect on you. You need more of it. You need stronger of it. You need more often of it. So anything which improves your mood momentarily has actually, a, uh, it is a slippery slope because you may end up uh, being in that, you know, in that rut of squeezing the most out of thing that works. So even the techniques that I suggest, I often like to change them up to, to turn a different side to them. A classic example is uh, gratitude, uh, gratitude um, exercise. Uh, there is this, uh, I think it's Harvard study that uh, showed that if you express gratitude for 30 days, your perception, subjective perception of happiness lifts by 25%. I, I know Sean Aker talks about that as well. Uh, he suggests um, gratitude exercise on a daily basis and you, you see results in, in, in one month. Uh, but the thing with gratitude, it is a slow, um, 
it, it is one of those slow things. When you express gratitude, you don't feel ecstatic at this moment. You might feel a little bit better, but over time it compounds. But the, even, even with that amazing exercise, you can have the effect of hedonistic adapta hedonic adaptation where it stops having the same effect on you. So I like to shift it from time to time to, uh, you know, to, to change the time frame, to change the focus. You know, sometimes you're grateful for the things that you generally have. Sometimes you're grateful for the things that had happened recently. Sometimes you're grateful for the people. Sometimes you're grateful for, uh, for what's happening in your, in your personal life, in your work, whatever, whatever the shift you take. Uh, I like to add emotions to that. But recently, and I think it's appropriate nowadays because this past few years have been hard for a lot of people. What I've noticed about myself is that I've stopped looking forward to things because things have become so monotonous. And uh, I used to enjoy my life more uh, when I had something to look forward to. And um, there is actually a, a phenomenon where the expectation of pleasurable event is more pleasurable than the event itself. So I, I decided to shift the practice of uh, gratitude and to add or maybe temporarily replace it with what am I looking forward to? And it is a slippery slope too, <laughs> because the moment when I decided to do that, it was on Wednesday and Thursday morning, I got terribly sick and I was out for the whole of Thursday and everything I was looking forward to on Thursday got canceled. So <laughs> you see, it reminds you of how, how interesting and how, uh, how humorous life really is, because can you look forward to things without getting, getting attached to your expectations? Can you be grateful for things that you have without them becoming um, boring? Uh, can you be grateful for things that have happened without being nostalgic and keeping looking into the past? Whatever practice you take, there are ways to do it uh, so that it works for you and there are ways to do it so that it has no effect and maybe even harms you. So it's, it's an interesting thing. I, I, I don't think I gave you an answer. I just I think I'm just being um, my usual self right now. <laughs> but there are, there are practices and I, I teach some practices which can help you to feel a little happier. <laughs> Sorry, I got carried away. I think this is more about leaving listeners with more questions, which <laughs> we grow, right? We've got, to, we've got to ask ourselves more and more questions, which is uh, part of our, what you've just described is really the privilege of being human, which is our adaptability. The fact mm. that we can evolve, the fact that we can change, the fact that we can uh, do things slightly differently and feel something different is you know, an incredible uh, privilege for us. And that's exactly what you're describing. We love variety. That is exactly how we evolve and, and how we grow. And now here is your lifestyle first prescription. Your three activating actions to take you from knowing to doing. So, Christina, let's try and narrow this down. <laughs> really, really try. Um, how, what are we going to leave listeners with? Just three actions that they can take to think about perhaps back to that connection between meaning, purpose, fulfillment and happiness. You said you've got skills that you try and utilize. Can you leave us with perhaps three skills to develop that? So I, I have uh, seven plus minus uh, practices for happiness on, in my general repertoire, actually it's more plus than minus. Uh, so I will only give you three and I will give you the three which, are, well, gratitude you've already got, which I think are very um, important for the skill of happiness. And one of them is actually um, learn to deal with pain. 
Uh, it's a very important skill. If you learn to understand pain, to become friends with it, uh, not as in going and seeking for the pain, but not, um, not uh, letting pain take you down, not, um, not letting pain um, devastate you. Or I, I would even say it like this. Um, when we have any kind of emotional experience, but let's say for the sake of this example, a painful emotional experience, there are two ways that we can uh, evolve from that. We can become better, which is a classical cliche, if we learn from that, if we transform from that. But, and that's, although it's not a cliche, but it is a much more common case, we can become traumatized. And the thing is that life comes with pain. Uh, Susan David, a brilliant TED talk and a psychologist, she says, pain is the price of admission to meaningful life. So you see, we're coming back to meaning. If you want to have meaning in your life, you have to be okay with the fact that occasionally you will be uncomfortable. Because meaning is attachment to some degree. It is, it is attachment to whether emotional or, you know, when we have meaning, we care about things. And if we care about things, there is the chance we're going to get hurt or if we care about people. So this, uh, if you want to have meaning, you have to be at peace with pain. You have to learn how to deal with it. Natural, right? And uh, not demonize it. Uh, it's a natural part of life. Uh, a lot of things in life happen through pain. Life is created through pain. Uh, apparently, it's not only the mother, but the child also feels intense pain as the child is being birthed. So it's a natural part of life. When you go to the gym and you get out of it and your muscles hurt, you actually enjoy that pain. If, can you learn that in your life? To see pain as, as this impulse of life that is in you and not as something to be afraid of, to be running away from, to learn as if you can learn and never have it ever in your life. It's not working like that. And why I started with pain is because uh, I like this, um, you know, when you, when you mentioned your, your topic of this conversation, of course, I thought about Viktor Frankl, uh, a brilliant uh, psychologist from the past. Uh, and he has this, uh, the, this famous idea that, um, suffering ceases uh, to be suffering when you get when you find meaning so if you have a lot of pain and you suffer the moment you find meaning and it doesn't mean explanation or excuse for the pain just meaning in life suffering ceases to be suffering and uh, and i had to start with pain because you know so many things beautifully come back to to happiness pain and and meaning. Uh, another important skill is very much related to pain is uh, forgiveness, uh, because uh, that's, um, you know, grudges or, or being upset with someone or, or holding that uh, bad energy against a situation or a person is uh, the most common uh, type of uh, poison that we take. And it's a Buddhist saying, sorry for another cliche, that to be upset with someone or to hold a grudge against someone, it's like drinking poison, hoping that another person is going to suffer. So obviously forgiveness is a very important skill. Uh, in addition to know, knowing how to deal with painful experiences in your life. Um, and uh, here, when I talk about forgiveness, I want you to look at it wider. It's definitely the people who have wronged you, but also forgiveness of yourself and forgiveness of the circumstances and the situations. Because we often, uh, when we talk about forgiveness, we focus on people who we don't like, but uh, actually it's also forgiveness of people that we love 
and we think that we might not have to forgive. Uh, but um, it's such a deep topic that if you go deep into that, you'll discover how much there is to forgive. And you can uh, equate it to letting go. It's a beautiful topic. I could talk about it separately. And the third skill, I, I have to say that, and this was a skill that I was uh, trying to run away from because in personal growth, rule number one is everything in your hands and you are the master of your own happiness and of your own life and everything, you know, whatever. It's all coming from you and it's still true. But there is the longest research on happiness ever, 75 years. Uh, it might be Harvard again, or maybe I'm forgetting the university names, but they were uh, looking at the lives of, of young men in the beginning of the 20th century, following their lives until their late, um, well, uh, old age, and uh, trying to figure out what made some people happy, some people less happy. And the biggest correlation they found between the sense of happiness is with uh, the strength of your connections, of your meaningful connections in life. So the third skill is actually the skill of making connections with people, of having, of having someone close and important in your life, even if it's just one person, but a living human being, preferably not a cat or a dog. Because that, uh, and there is so much research in that uh, in medical science as well, since you're, actually, I do not know, are you a medical doctor or are you a PhD doctor? <laughs> medical so uh, it's it's so funny how we take uh, just doctor doctor for granted. <laughs> so, so you you would know, uh, but um, in UK I heard there is actually uh, a very a very big focus on um, on fighting loneliness and social isolation because a lot of research shows that our um, death rates uh, with certain diseases are way lower if we have meaningful connections. Apparently chemotherapy in certain types of cancer is less efficient than uh, having a close person in your life, having the social uh, support in your life. It's scary to look at that, but uh, it, it is important not to be alone. <laughs> so these are the three skills I, could, I would point out and they might be a little, uh, not what people have expected, maybe. Oh, no, not at all. I think they're incredibly fundamental to the way humanity works. It is how we, how we live, isn't it? We live in pain. We have difficult relationships. We need connections in our life. We are social beings. So all of these things really do, do resonate. So thank you so much for that, Christina. I think there's a, a huge amount of depth to what you've brought uh, into this very short conversation. I think we could have carried on going deeper and deeper and deeper and uh, asking even more questions, but uh, I'm sure people will have questions. So if they did want to reach out to you, find out more about you and your work, what's the best way to, to find out more? So uh, I'm, uh, as a co-founder of Mindvalley, I'm also one of the authors of Mindvalley. Actually, not because of that. I became an author. And as a co-founder, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm just part of the package. So definitely you will find me on, on Mindvalley. Uh, but among all other authors, if you want direct connection with me, then uh, I'm on Instagram most active. That's where I write whatever comes to my mind. <laughs> Amazing. It's great, great stuff that, uh, that you're putting out. Uh, really appreciate that. I will certainly put your links to your instagram up uh on the thank you so people will certainly be able to 
reach out. Um, and again, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure uh, talking to you. Certainly left me with lots of questions to ask of <laughs> um, me and my daughter last night. In fact, we're having a very deep conversation about this very thing about hedonic adaptation. So I've got now even more questions to take back to her. So thank you. So much. <laughs> Uh, lovely speaking to you which really leaves me to draw this episode to a close now and wish everybody a happy healthy day thanks for joining us on the lifestyle first podcast making self-care as easy as one two three don't forget to subscribe and share and we'd love it if you'd be kind enough to leave a review to learn more or to arrange a consultation please visit www.dralkapatel.com See you next time.